When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 122. My name's Turner Sparks. My name is Kaplan, and it's season two, episode three to you, sir. Season two, episode three. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America on Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Where are we? Cap in America. We're uh, lost in America. Lost in America. Yes. <laughs> I in. And, and oh, Instagram went down last week, Cap. I know. It was very, it was, the, I was trying to. People couldn't find us for a whole day. I, it was, it, I felt like a huge advantage. Why? Because I don't use the social media as much. I use like Twitter, which was working. Oh yeah, the your brain, Twitter was still on. Twitter was on. The millennials were all freaking out. The good-looking people were freaking out. Speaking of on, on the podcast today we have documentary filmmaker Ariel Sobel and journalist and journalist Ariel Sobel. <laughs> she has a new documentary, I believe, coming out soon. We got to watch it because we're uh, muckety mucks. We're on the we're insiders. Yeah, we had a password and everything. It's called the Lost Tribe. It's about a um, group of Chinese people in uh, I forget what city in the middle of China somewhere. Kefang or which? Am I saying that right? What, what'd you say? Fakang or Kefang? Fake Hong. Fake Hong. I believe in Fake Hong, China somewhere, and uh, they believe they're descendants of the uh, Jews from Israel. Yeah, right. They want in on this. Uh, it's a great. It's a great gig being a Jew. They want some of that. They want in. Yeah. Want some in. of the few that want in. I would yeah, say. Yeah. Well, they probably heard the pod. They and, did. And, you they know, were influenced. They love Kaplan. Loved, they, I'm, a, I'm a favorite character over there. Yeah, exactly. They so they wanted. Re- so she relative. went over there and she did a documentary about them. We're going to find out all about that from her. But before all that, Kaplan, live podcast coming up. Who? who which one? Pod, you and Pod I America. Lost Wait, in America. It's us. We. I got to go as a spectator or I got to April 10th at Stand Up New York Comedy Club. You and me, oh, Kaplan fuck. and Turner and guests yet to announce. We're going to be announcing them soon. Get your tickets now, standupny.com. I just talked to John up there. He's excited. Yeah. Everybody's excited. The fans have been calling for it. I mean, they want to see, you want to see if a lot man will have a heart attack on stage. Yes, that, come uh, see Kaplan's uh, beeper thing. Yeah, it's, you want to see the new and improved Kaplan. Everyone in the halls at uh, NCR. Skinny They're Cap. All talking about Skinny Cap. Handy new, Cap. New nickname. <laughs> skinny, <laughs> is that so, better than Handy Cap? So for the ladies out there and the gentlemen who like men. So go to lostinamericapod.com. We will have a link to tickets there, but also standupny.com is where you get them. We're, I think we're going to do, we got to talk to them over there, but get them now because we're going to have a reduced rate if you get like early bird ticket prices. Yeah, we're going to do a slow rollout of the guests. We don't want to spoil it all. Slow rollout. So, Cap. Also, another announcement. Uh, thank you, for everybody, for sticking with us over the last couple months. We took a break for a while while Cap is recovering. And then the last few weeks, you've been kind of blaming me. We've been blaming on and off. <laughs> But now we're back weekly every Wednesday in the United States of America, around wherever you are around the world. This podcast comes out every week, so we're back to every week now. Thanks for sticking around. I mean, management was thinking of moving us to a different day, but we fought. We like Wednesday. We like the comfort of Wednesday. We told them. We don't mind fighting management. We didn't want to fight them, but we we negotiated. We're staying. We're going to be Wednesdays. We don't mind going upstairs, (laughs) telling them what's what. (laughs) So we're every Wednesday. We're back to our regular schedule. Thank you. And what we want to do, we want to have on. Remember when we had on that that girl who? (laughs) I don't uh, remember, like they're gonna answer back. <laughs> they know. 
Remember what we had on the girl who was uh, she was with the, at the Trump Kim summit, and that was suggested by a listener. Dominic Mills got us her shout out, uh, and then she someone who said, "So we want these. We want you guys suggest suggest guests to us. We want to find people doing crazy stuff around the world." We had yeah. someone Casey Allen shout out just suggested us a guest of his. A friend of his who is a, who uh, plays um, American no Australian rules football. Michael Weber, last week's guest suggested this week's guest, so that's how it works. Suggested this Let's week's guest. Forward. So if you know anybody who's doing crazy stuff around the world, tell us, yeah. and we'll track him down. We'll have him on the pod. That's yeah, it. Cap. We do not have to hire a booker. We don't want to hire a booker. We don't got a budget. <laughs> we don't get the for budget. That. No. Yeah. Amazon. Oh yeah. Speaking of budgets. Speaking of budgets, here's the way we pay for the pod. Go to Lost in if you're gonna shop on Amazon anyway, which everyone does, go to lostinamericapod.com first. Click the book in the upper right hand corner. It's not Audrey Murr anymore. It's that new book that uh Weber's uh, writing. Daisy Jones. Daisy Jones Locker or something like that. <laughs> and then that'll take you back to Lost It. That'll take you back to um Amazon.com. Do your regular shopping. A percentage of what you buy comes to us. Now let's get to Lost in America. Play the music. All right, we're back. Cab, you're lost in America this week. What's up? Cardiac rehab? Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I told you when I had the heart attack, they kept telling me in the hospital, the most important thing is get to cardiac rehab as soon as possible. Cardiac rehab. And then with all the bureaucracy, it took me now. Seven weeks. <laughs> I'm seven and a half weeks heart attack free. And I'm finally into rehab. I got in yesterday. Oh, wow. And um, it's in, it's so people say like, what is cardiac rehab? That's what. I'm yeah, sure what is I'm it? sure that's your first question. That's my first question. <laughs> so you, it's in the hospital, Med NYU, if anyone wants to come say hi. And uh, there's a, like a, like a little mini gym. Hey. Except, except you work out with people watching you. So you go, they have locker rooms, just like any other gym, showers. Uh, they don't have a schwitz, no schwitz. <laughs> oh, come no, on. No saunas. But they do have. Just like uh, they have the a J- basketball court, JC- no, but they have like the JCC or the Y. What you what do you, what do you like at the gym? Old men naked walking around. Yes. Oh, they have of, that. A lot of balls hanging out. Wait, of- how many people? Because it's only people who have had heart attacks, right? But there's a, how many people are there? They only have different slots during the day. Like you have to go at a certain time. So I think they cluster it. So there's not. There's probably about I don't know a dozen people at a time. And everyone's had a heart attack. Everyone's had. A, we're in a club. <laughs> we're all yeah. We're all we've all had a heart attack. So yeah, when I got there, I just sat down in a chair. Um, because uh, they told me I had to wait, and um, there was a guy sitting. I was trying to listen to music, and there was a guy sitting next to me, and he's like trying to get my attention. Because I don't know about you, but old guys love to talk to me. So yeah, I, and I realized right away, what am I doing sitting here on my phone? Like this is the time for like me, you know, every week because they all looking at me like I'm, you look like someone like that uh, can be influenced. Well, you know what it is. I'm like it's like when you're at the retirement community in Florida. Yeah, like I'm the visiting grandson. Like, yeah, all the women are smiling at me. This guy wanted to show me his uh, some pictures on his Especially phone. Especially because I know at your grandparents' one, Michael Cohen's grandparents are also there. Yeah. So they mu- they'd rather, <laughs> Rob Cohen's a lost cause. <laughs> yeah, so you, yeah. you're the one to be influenced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're all talking to me. Everyone's excited. Like, you got a young, they feel better about themselves. They These are the old guys at the. Yeah. Like, they're guys telling me, oh, I've had four stents. I've had it. Everyone's, four heart attacks. Yeah, and it's, it's a serious thing. Like, people have, like, some, a woman had an oxygen tank, like a whole tank she's carrying around with And them. she's on the treadmill? She's doing, they do what they can do. There's someone with Swimming laps? things. And so I'm feeling better about myself. Um, so anyway, the doctor comes over. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What 
are there is there a hierarchy like the less it's like you know how when you get detention in high school if you get it once every six months you're not really cool in detention but there's those kids who have it every day and at some point the teacher just kind of likes them and like they get to do stuff is that how it is if you get if you have more the more heart attacks yeah. you get the more street cred you have in the heart attack club well i don't know about that worst club ever i feel by like the, the stents the thing that i have like what's the, a stent that's the thing they put into the balloon to blow to move the artery oh that's i think that like that guy had four i'm talking somebody else told me the other day that his dad had 33 stents and he maybe <laughs> So it's like, that's, the, that's the hierarchy. You're like, one stent, you pussy. You had one? I have one. I'm oh, yeah, nothing. come on. That's one above me. Yeah, I mean, I have a cousin's husband who's had five. That guy's You're almost a, a civilian. Yeah, I'm almost a civilian. <laughs> but they, they scared the crap out of me. They're like, where's your stent card? I forgot to say that. They walk in, they're like, where's your stent card? That's like, like your man card. I don't have a stent card. Like, what do you mean? The hospital should have given you a stent card. They said, any like, if I'm in another country or somewhere and I, like, drop dead, they need to know I have a stent. So this is a big problem. I got to get a stent card. I'm very low. But anyway. <laughs> uh, the doctor comes over and he essentially he gives me like a mini like EKG thing. He sticks a, a couple different uh, uh, cushions, uh, suction cups. Sure. Puts a they give you like a little bib to wear around your neck while you're working out, and they put the little machine in the little pouch, like a lobster bib. Little pouch. You get on like the treadmill. Start on the treadmill or, or start on the elliptical, and you look up and you're like on this screen. There's like a TV screen and it shows your um your heart rate. And it shows every your movement, like up and down, the up and down. I can see. I, mine doesn't go up very much. That's why and once again, for the kids out there, you, what you don't want is bang. Yeah, you know, but I see what the problem is. So I got this life vest. Wait, on. they have you running? They told me no. They said within two weeks, I'll be running. That's pretty fast. They said because uh, the, the guy was giving the tutorial with another woman who was a, kind of a sad sack, and um, she <laughs> she looked like, sack. she just looked like she had never used gym equipment before. <laughs> and I didn't want to be like a show off, but he's like the guy said to me, he's like, "You can start. I know you know how to do this stuff." Oh yeah. So, but he they come around while you're working out. They do your blood pressure. They check your heart. They tell you like, you could see your your uh, heart rate. So they they tell me, I want you I want your heart rate to be like between certain numbers the whole time, and then you could push yourself a little bit. But you know you shouldn't push yourself where you're so tired that you're you know it's like, okay yeah so that's the that's the gist of it but it's um it you do feel the, I'm just gonna say right now I feel there's like about five I was thinking like I'd like this more than CrossFit for people who don't remember. yeah you used to do CrossFit I used to do CrossFit and I which and I can, missed, can I ask you did that cause a heart attack I, I don't know that, CrossFit's don't know. <laughs> not great for your heart is it to well, go super extreme and then well I will say this um. When I had the consultations, I had like. Can we say yes and then get blue shirt and we can make some money for the pod finally? Oh, Sue Sue CrossFit. CrossFit. Yes, yeah, so maybe we'll do. Coming that. after you, Long Island City Unless CrossFit. I, I will accept a payoff. I have some CrossFit listeners. So. Buy us out. So, but I, I will say this probably goes against the case. Blue shirts, and I should will say I shouldn't say this. When I met with, <laughs> with the nurse uh, practitioner who did this consultation, she told me looking at my chart and how long my heart attack was, um, and and how severe it was. She said that you were clearly in shape. If your heart was in good shape to be able to stand that. Oh. So you must have worked out for it. You got probably, a great heart attack. She said, heart. That probably saved your life. <laughs> so he might have saved my life. So, but so anyway, you know, when when you go to CrossFit, people um, they wear a badge of honor that they um, they call it pukey when you work out to such exhaustion that you like fall on the ground and are like breathing really heavy when it's over. Like that's like a badge of honor. Like that's CrossFit at its best. It kicks the shit out of you. Any in the rest of the world, that's called extremely unhealthy. <laughs> so. Like, so I, I just want to tell the CrossFit community that's listening, because I have some listeners, that I walk into this place when I went to the, the last class was just ending, and there was a stretcher coming out, like an EMT. Somebody, that 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 beats CrossFit. This is more severe. This is more hardcore. They were coming out, out of, out out of on a, a workout on a, not a stretcher, like a, uh, like like a, a gurney, not a gurney, they weren't dead, like, you know, like a paramedic. Like, out of the heart attack They're probably going to the hospital that's Holy connected. Guacamole. So that's some serious working out. Um, they got a. They got some. So and I, I just love it because I feel like I'm the big fish. I'm the best. 
I'm on the treadmill. I'm walking fast on the treadmill. When you go to the regular gym, you see someone walking on the treadmill, not running. You're like, that guy's a loser. He's out of shape. Why are you even here? Yeah. Me, the guy's a like, great job. You're because I'm walking fast. Because everyone else is like passing out, yeah, and laying down. The, yeah, they're using these little and arm just rolling off the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. They're all. You're also 40 years younger than any I of them. No, but I, you had a heart attack at age 40. It's like I remember once when I was in in, in high school and I played JCC basketball and I played in the varsity team, but there was like a JV game and they needed a person. Yeah. And I was like a junior, so they let me play on it and I scored like 35 points it was the best day of my life Ooh, can I give another <laughs> one of these so it's like when you're doing stand-up in uh, Manhattan all the time which yeah. is like best of the best yeah. in the world and then every once in a while you get a spot out in like Astoria or Bushwick Ooh, and you go out there and you just destroy, destroy some pets it's like we're just up there for an open mic it's isn't? going down to the miners yeah. to get your confidence, get your confidence back. back you feel like I felt stylish I'm in Lululemon no one wears Lululemon at this place I mean I got no one wears that I, anyway and I also I want to say this to note, uh, do you go to the gym? I forget. Yeah, you know, I go to the Y. So what do they play? They play a bunch of like, oh, it's a Y might not be so bad, but like you go to the, the most gyms, they play like a bunch of the the teeny bopper crap, right? Sure. This place, it's like oh, music wise. This place, you feel like you're on a cruise ship. It's like Donna Summer. There's some Beatles sprinkled in. There's very like it's like wedding music. It's no, like Lady Gaga's <laughs> yeah. little sister. Yeah, now I'm an old man. I love it. So I, I was enjoying it. Uh, I didn't die. I survived. So Great. I think. Uh, I think it's going to be a good experience, and I think there's going to be a lot of material. I was going to say this is like. We're getting ready for a whole season. A whole these. season of this was just day one. I'm excited. The guy, you know, because I did two things well. Like I did the, the the treadmill and the elliptical, and he's like, "You you did so good. So just do this little arm." Have you ever seen people doing the thing where they roll the arms? Like they just sit, they just stand there, and you roll your arms. <laughs> yeah, but I've never known what it does yeah, for 15 minutes. I don't know what it did either. It was just like, "Great job!" I'm like, what am I even doing here? It's like, but Hilarious. yeah. So I'm mean, I'm gonna be in uh, tip top shape in about. Three months. Fantastic. <laughs> Tip top shape for I a seven-year-old. I might have to join that gym. Yeah, you should. You, do I have to have a heart attack? Or I wonder I if I could bring a friend. Yeah, <laughs> bring a friend. A buddy pass. Yeah. Day I, pass. I don't know, because you probably have to put the heart rate thing on. and I, I'll I, put it on. Yeah. And people have to come around and ask. I'll, I'll, I'll show you up, though. You probably don't want me around, because you don't want a non-heart attack, oh, right. a civilian. Right. It's like if you are like become the popular girl in your school, and then you're like friend from another school visits you and she's like hot and she's don't like, don't want that. Girl. Yeah, I've seen enough teen movies to know. Go away. I know. Cap, Ints is an app. It's still an app. You can get it in the app store. It's up to five-minute audio recordings. Here's what we're going to get back to this thing we used to do, where you ints us in questions, ints us in anything. You know what? Here's a good way to do it. People who are around the world right now, whatever country you're in, ints us and give us some fact about where you are in the world. Yeah. If you could do that, we'll play it on the pod. We'll talk about your, your country for a little bit before we get to our guest. How about that? How about, yeah, we... Because I know we got listeners all over. We got China. We got all over Southeast Asia. Yeah, we've 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 made. I want to make a couple here. We've made some false promises in the past. Where we've said Ensis things. We'll play them on the air. Exactly. You know, we just. But had, now we, we just got just, word. From we were upstairs. just in a. We were upstairs in a meeting. Yeah. Sitting in. We're learning about the future events. It's very exciting. There's some new stuff happening. And they we, also, let's be honest, they tore us a they new. They kind of read us the riot act. Yeah, because we and, haven't been in. There was it. a little bit of like, you know, Ikram had to be separated. The guy, the lawyer up there, said Kaplan had a heart attack. He had to calm down. Exactly. Stress them out. Yeah, we so had to said, call legal in. So they said, "Listen, Kaplan, because you had the heart attack, we're gonna give you one more chance." Yes. But you gotta, you gotta. And play- Randy Lee was in the middle. Yeah. He's, you know, he's on our side because he works with so often. But also, he's working for Akram. He's yeah. everybody's answering to Akram. Yeah. He was down in South by Southwest last week. I heard he was recruiting other podcast guests. <laughs> we can't have that. So they're really. So essentially, we need you. We need the listener. Sign up for ENS. ENSE. Inside us, anything you anything you say, we will you know consider playing. I'll go this far. If you want this podcast to continue, <laughs> you need to start inting us, yeah. so we can play it on the air, so we can justify the space we've been getting for free for over two years from Ikram. Yes, and thank you, Ikram. You've been a great overlord. Should we get to our guest? 
Yeah, let's bring her in. Ariel, come on in. All right, we're back with our guest, Ariel Sobel. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. I'm really glad to be here. I got it right? Did you yeah. like that Long Island accent? Turn <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's really great because my mother, who named me with her Long Island accent, like whenever she screamed at me at work, so she'll be like, ah, like, and that meant I was being called upstairs. Like ah. if anyone screamed in agony, like that was my nickname, ah. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm really used to being yelled at. And I, if someone yells, I just assume they're talking to me. Or if like someone screams in pain, I like come over. It makes me very caring. Fantastic. When you hear the thick accent, you have a little PTSD or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got to watch this uh, documentary you did, the the the, um, the Lost Tribe, mm-hmm. about. Uh, well, you can tell us what it's about. It's about uh, the Chinese Jewish community in China. Yeah. But tell us more. <laughs> oh wow! So is this my elevator pitch moment. This is now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I, so from what I understand, it's a uh, Kaifeng. Is that the name Kaifeng, of the town? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you, f- how did you find this group of people? These are Chinese people from Kaifeng who claim they have lineage tracing all the way back to Israel mm-hmm. from thousands of years ago. Yes. So this is the story. Um, so historically, it's known that a thousand years ago, ago, a group of Iranian Jews immigrated to China, to Kaifeng, which was the capital during the Song Dynasty. And that's where the emperor was. They were traders and they went as merchants there to where the kingdom was. They were loved by the king. They even, you know, gave the king gave them special last names, which was an honor. The, the king really is the emperor. And it was very huge at the time. So a thousand years later, they, they, had a, they had a synagogue. They had an entire community. And it's well documented. Everyone knows that the Kaifeng Jews had existed. Right now in China... They've almost completely vanished. Some have been rescued and brought to Israel, but now there are five families remaining in China, five Jewish families. And it is also in China illegal to be Jewish. So I follow a woman who is in her 60s who's decided she's a Chinese country woman. She's got, you know, crooked teeth and she's very, her accent is so thick. My Chinese friends were like, I can't understand what she's saying. It's so thick. And she's from like basically their version of the Deep South. And she's spending her retirement fighting the communist government to let her be a Jew. And so that's what my documentary is about. And how did you find her? Did she so show up in town? Or? It was really hard to find her. So I went to China. I was awarded a grant to go. And basically, I was a student. And I was awarded a grant to go to China. And I'd always been a Chinese history nerd. And I grew up on Long Island in an area where you were either Jewish or Chinese. So it just makes sense. Like those cultures to me... I think mesh better than like any other cultures in the world. And there's so many reasons I can explain why, but I went on this trip and we pitched our projects and I said, I wanted to do a project about this tribe that I didn't know if it still existed. I didn't know if any people were left in China who were ethnically Chinese and Jewish. I wasn't sure, but, um, people in the group were willing to work with me. I had a partner who decided she would co-produce this with me, who speaks Chinese. I don't speak a word of Chinese, um, and did this with me partially because, Jewish stereotypes in China, they thought I must be really smart and hardworking because I was a Jew. Um, not <laughs> See, even kidding. Positive stereotypes are good. Yeah. yeah and no. rich. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. In China, every negative stereotype that makes people want to kill us in the West, they're like, you're great. We love you. <laughs> um, which is really funny. Like, they're very, they love Jewish people. It's just illegal to be Jewish. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's illegal to be Jewish. You mean if you're Chinese? Yes. If you're, okay. if you're a Chinese citizen. In China, it's a strict communist government. Everything basically... If it's not a yes, it's a no, which is different. Like America, it's, if it's not outlawed, it's okay. Um, versus like if it's not legal, 
then it's outlawed in China. So there are four recognized religions in China. And if you are not a member of those religions, you're doing an illegal kind of organizing. If you're a Chinese citizen. Yes. Right. And yeah. Because I had a lot of friends. I used to live there. Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Jewish people there. Yeah. But well, like uh, Americans like or, yeah. or um, Israeli or whatever. Yeah. Expats can yeah. be Jewish. But if you have a Chinese passport, you cannot be Jewish. Yeah. And also like if it's, an, they have is also, maybe you can say, argue that maybe Judaism is an ethnicity. But and it feels very ethnic there because they are descendant from a tribe of Jews. But uh, they also took it out. They like they took out that as an ethnicity. So my uh, subject, she had to change her ethnicity on her legal paperwork. But it used to be she used to say Jewish. Yeah, which it's amazing. She, she was saying Jewish it. for like forever, right? Yeah, for like it was for thousands of years, which is really insane. But if you just to clear it up, if you look at her, like when you watch the documentary, she looks like a Chinese person. She doesn't yes. look like a. She's Jew completely ethnically Chinese. Yeah, she not just looks like a Chinese person. She She's a Chinese country woman. Like she looks mm. like, you know, someone who is in the countryside. Uh, like she's got, she doesn't look like Woody Allen at all. Like there's, no <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing. I like that. Like one extreme of looking like a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> like she's not, she's not that way. Um, and, and so how'd you find her specifically? Okay. Yeah. So I went and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to find these people. I don't know if they exist. So I went to the one place where any Jew would go if you're in a foreign country, which was Chabad. And I started going to dinners there. And I started making friends. I met friends from all around the world, Jews who are visiting from uh, France, from Canada, from all over. And there's a Chabad Beijing and people go visit there. And every time I tried to talk about the Chinese Jews, it became a very like, shh, like no one wanted to talk about it. It became very <laughs> uncomfortable for people. Wait, so, can I ask what's Chabad? Okay, so Chabad is basically... It's kind of hard to explain what Chabad is. So where my is. kids go to Hebrew school for starters in Long Island City. They go to, I was going to say they go to Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, they go. No, they yeah they go to. It's a bit of a commute, but the education's great. No, what does well, it Chabad, mean? They open. They, it's it's a brand of Orthodox Judaism. Yeah. But they they're they're more accepting of um like they're very accepting of people who aren't religious. Oh, are these you, people you were telling me that they go around the world and open like these little like houses, Jewish communities. Basically, right. their goal is to get anyone who's Jewish to be, they want to preserve Jewish culture. So it doesn't matter how observant you are. They're trying to get you a little more observant. Yeah. So Got they basically it. are an open center. They're, they have an open center where any Jewish person can come in, get a Shabbat dinner, get go to Jewish services, and it's completely free. Those people around the street wow. who say like are shaking the, the oh the people who like, always ask me around like holidays like hey are yeah. you Jewish? I'm like because oh, they, no. won't, they because for like me to do it it's like a mitzvah it's yeah. a good deed and, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a holy thing so if they get to do, me to do it they're like wow we did a good thing it's great for them and they're, these people, they're funded by some large organization or something they get a lot of donations okay yeah. and they do a lot of telethons I've donated money. Yeah, they do really good work. They're, I would say, very like traditional and kind of like extreme in some of their beliefs, but they welcome everyone. And what they do is they make Judaism accessible for people, regardless of where you are and what you're doing. And in China, they they have a one in China. Okay, so if I so when I was there, my friends who were Jewish who on holidays would go to Shanghai, which was the closest city to me, the closest big huge city, sure. and they would go to synagogue and stuff. Is that what they were going to? The, Shanghai has a much bigger um, Western Jewish population than Beijing, which is where I was based. Yeah. And um, this woman was based in Kaifeng. So you have to understand China's bigger than America. So like Shanghai is like Oh, New I York, understand. And yeah. And like <laughs> Beijing is like LA. But so. the Shanghai, they, they might have a synagogue besides Chabad, or you think we think? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. Can they also have a synagogue or is that what it would be? It would be so that Shabbat. the rule in China the rule. is... They can have synagogues. The, the Chabad Beijing is technically a museum slash restaurant. Oh. Um, but essentially, 
it is illegal for someone who holds a Chinese passport, who's mm. ethnically Chinese, a Chinese citizen, to go inside. Because sure. Judaism is that Wait, you've talked about that with churches. As in- yeah, I used to go to church sometimes in China. And uh, by law, they couldn't allow Chinese people in. Yes, But uh, that didn't always... That was always good. They, if it was... If, if they like, I never went once where they were actually checking people's passports at the door. Did they? Were they actually? When you went to the one in the, the Shabbat in Beijing, were they checking passports? They weren't, but unless someone was like, but like they know I'm not Chinese. But I mean, did you see? There was definitely no Chinese people there. Well, like the only Chinese people they would have there were people who are married to Jewish people or like mm. biracial children. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, it makes sense, but there's my, still my. Co-producer? It doesn't make sense with those. Like, a lot of second. Someone could a lo- go in, but he didn't try. Uh, she, or she? She couldn't go in. Like they would not let her in. Really? So she they, tried to get in, and they said no. Yeah, and like definitely couldn't go in. She could go in when they weren't having any services, but on Shabbat she could not go inside. They would oh, not okay. let her. And like she filmed from like she would. We got use our zoom lens, and she filmed them through the windows from the street. Oh really? I'm serious. Maybe it's a Beijing thing because Beijing's more strict. Um, yeah. Than. What's the saying? Like the hills are high and the emperor's far away, <laughs> meaning that the further you get from Beijing, the more relaxed the laws get. Maybe. And so maybe they just were like, ah, oh, whatever. We don't care. No one's going to yeah. check. So how did I end up finding this woman? How'd you find yeah. her? So I was meeting those people and I gave up. I was like, I'd been there for a month and I could not find a Chinese Jew. And I'm like, I guess they no longer exist. I've accepted this. So I started documenting this couple, which were Orthodox Jews who were living and they have three children born in China. And being an Orthodox Jew in Beijing is hell. Yeah, how do you um, get kosher meat? It's like, you don't. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like impossible for them to eat. It's impossible for them to partake in anything. And like it, China's not a melting pot. I think you could agree in the way that America is. Like you'll never be considered Chinese unless you're ethnically Han Chinese. Yeah, you can't be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the same. They can't, like even though they've been there for 10 years, their children were born were for, in it, China, but they're not Chinese. Yeah, yeah. They'll never be Chinese citizens. They'll never be considered part of that society. And being Orthodox, like they have to live close to the Chabad, the only place in Beijing where they can really pray, and there's just a lot of drama. And they were really, really, they were deeply, like, upset with each other. They had one kid who had Down syndrome. It was a very interesting family. It was a very high-intensity situation. I know. (laughs) So I started filming them, and it was really intense. Uh, And one day, the woman, the wife, um, she slipped me the card of my subject of this Chinese woman because I had been talking about it and everyone was like shush 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 and she knew this whole time and shush yeah, she tell you yeah. wait why are they shushing uh, well okay we'll get okay, to that sorry yeah. there's so many layers to the yeah. insanity um, but they were like hush about it even her husband was like nothing and this guy is like the husband's fluent in Chinese. He's like a master of Chinese history and Chinese culture. And he was like, oh, it's so uninteresting. You don't want to hear about that. It's boring. <laughs> I'm like, no, I want to meet the Chinese Jews. So she's like, she thought it was romantic. And she had met this woman who her name was Xiao. And um, she passed me her card. And all I had was a card. So my that woman producer. had a business card? Yes. <laughs> Wait, she had a business card that was like, I'm a Chinese Jew. I'm that's, curious. That's her job? You have to watch the movie to <laughs> understand how crazy it is that that woman had a business card. But like, kind of, yeah. yeah. I know, she's really funny. Yeah. Um, 
Everyone has business cards in China. Oh, really? Yeah, like, everywhere you go, you have like, did you end up with, how long were you there for? I was there for two months. And did you have like stacks of business cards? No, I guess no one wanted to befriend me. <laughs> anytime I went to anything, people were like, here, take a business card, take a business card, <laughs> take crazy. a business card. It's nice. It was a very business card culture, maybe. Basically, a business card that was like, I'm a Chinese Jew. That's it. <laughs> that's, her, that's, her <laughs> that's her title. <laughs> like, so she's retired. That's her job now is being a Chinese Jew. Right, right. So my co producer calls her up and she's, Hella pissed because she was hanging up a bunch of signs uh, that were basically trying to reunite the Jewish community in Kaifeng. A lot of them have been assimilated and she was trying to bring back force and rebuild things and rebuild the temple. And the local government had stolen her signs. And she was pissed and she's like, you come here with these cameras. We're getting my signs. Oh, good call. So uh, we were really like my supervisor who was like the professor who was a filmmaker was like, I don't think you guys should go. I think this is dangerous. Um, (laughs) Disagree with your professor. I know. And like uh, he was really concerned because like it's one of those things in China. They have a word for like controversial called sensitive. They'll be like, it's a sensitive subject. And like sensitive here means like people will attack you on Twitter. But in <laughs> sensitive in China, it's like the government might like censor you or like take your passport, things like that. Take your business. But yeah. <laughs> I, this was something I wanted to do my whole life is find this lost tribe. So I went four hours on a train, a very fast train. And uh, I was in Kaifeng and I met Zhao and the rest is... On film. <laughs> so it's so smart of her to bring the cameras because, uh, first of all, I disagree with your professor in in the sense that I think that if you're an international filmmaker, there is a layer of protection in China, um, maybe, although you said you got arrested. I didn't get arrested. Oh, okay. I almost got arrested. The fear was not that I think I was going to be arrested, that we were pushing it. Uh, was that they're going to take away my passport and then I'd be like trapped and, you know. yeah. Because this was really sensitive because not only were we talking about religion, which everyone was like, oh, I don't know if you should talk mm. about religion in China. Like they had done films before in the program I was in. They did one on um, LGBTQ Chinese people and that got censored by the university. And I'll tell you how we didn't end up they don't getting have any, censored. Zero percent, right? no. <laughs> I think, is the official. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's zero percent. They don't exist. Um, <laughs> I actually have a friend who runs a thing called Out China and she like documents uh, Chinese uh, LGBTQ people who's a close friend. So we had a lot to talk about. Uh, but they were concerned about that. But I was like, I had to do it. I could not do it. And what did you find when you got there? And then because there is a scene where you're kind of confronting the local uh, government officials. And uh, what was it tense with you with the cameras in any way? Yep, did they tell you to turn them I off? That's when I almost got arrested. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what happened? So she, we decide we had toured. We went into the main business building. So. In China, they have like a community leader and then they have like the bigger federal government. So the community leader was her close friend and her, she was actually um, a the, the Chinese version of a Muslim person, uh, was a community leader. So she kind of understood it right now. They're under huge attack and being put in concentration camps. So a lot has happened since I shot it. That That's a really more vulnerable, I think, than the Jewish community in China. But uh, we went to the federal thing and then... Zhao found out that it wasn't the federal government that took her signs. It was her friend. Wow. Oh, so that's so, that person, the person that she's confronting yes. is her friend. Dun, 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 dun. Then, so she goes in and I think a little bit of it was for show. She wanted the world to know what was happening because it's persecution and she wanted like the general Jewish community to help her. But I couldn't go into that room because if they look at me, they know something was up. Uh, I'm as blonde as hell so it would have been like who are you Um, and so my colleague Zhao lied and said my colleague was her niece (laughs) 
And she hid the camera on the table. That's why the shot's not that great. It was a hidden camera. Oh. And so yeah. I just hear, and if you see the Did she film, sign a release? That's <laughs> no. the Robert Kraft There's no such move. such thing as releases. In camera. China. In China, that's the thing. It's yeah. like, if China, if I wanted the soundtrack of my documentary to have a Sarah Borella song, it could have it. No, oh, yeah. Like, there's no idea of creative property. It's sad. Like, you can put, like, my friend made a documentary, like, my colleague, she made a documentary before, and she used the score from the social network in it. Yeah. Like, yeah, why not? that be nice? Um, so I hid downstairs so they couldn't see me, and they were upstairs. And I just hear shrieking in Chinese. I hear screaming. And I'm like, oh, no, they're going to take them away. I can't see anything. And I don't speak a word of Chinese. Like, basically, not only was my co-producer co-producing the documentary, her job was basically to keep me alive. Like, feed me, walk me, like, <laughs> shower me, right. like, get me from plate to me. And I'm in a foreign city where I know no one. I have no cell, no cell phone. I had no cell phone the entirety of being in China. Um, so I'm in this foreign place. I don't speak a word of Chinese. And this is not a, like, there's some cities where a lot of people speak English, not in Kaifeng. Like, people pointed at me when I came to the city. Like, children pointed at me and started, like, screaming. So, like, I was the only white person people had seen in their entire lives when I was there. How big is Kaifeng? It's, like... I've yeah, never been, been so I don't know, a couple million maybe? Small, yeah, it's a small city. Right, a um, million, and yeah. Zhao was from like a countryside kind of area, that city. Um, so I just hear all this screaming and I'm really like having a panic attack and I don't know what to do. I can't go up there because it will exacerbate the situation. So I'm like praying like, like, and I see officials coming in. I'm like, are they going to arrest me? I'm, I'm really terrified. And then they come out and my co-director, I'm like still hiding. My co-director comes down and then... They give her back her signs. Mm. So it was kind of, it worked. And if you watch it, you can see like they're screaming out. She's like calling the community leader a bitch and saying like, they tell you to fetch my signs and you sign them. And there's definitely like a subtext things of like, like the community leader says like, like she's asking, why are you doing this? Why are you taking my signs? Why can't I just be Jewish? And she's like, you know, you know better than I do. And there's a subtext of that that's really quite interesting. What do you think it is? Because... Because it's just illegal and they're all afraid of the Chinese government harming them. Like being a troublemaker in America, like we like troublemakers. Yeah. We like individualism versus China. Everything is a function of their population. Like in China, freedom is something different than it means here. And I, I did really revise my idea of freedom. But you can't have a certain degree of individual rights, I don't think, in China because of the population is so big. Like it's easy to cater for a smaller population uh, I, like in America I think I might be sure wrong. I mean well, well the I would have countries I guess we're the largest free country right population wise well what's the definition equal? of free well, well. <laughs> <laughs> individual rights I, mean, I would India's say the other one with I would um, but I agree with you in the sense of it's like a self-censorship thing uh, that but I don't think that the idea of being Jewish somehow th is, a bit, is you're not allowed to do it because there's too many people there. I think mm -hmm. that that's just a control, just an ultimate well, they control. A, they have a control on religion. Well, they in don't want to like this thing is there are five Jewish families in all of China. They will not accommodate Chinese Jewish families. Right? Yeah. yeah, there are five ethnically Chinese Jewish families. They're not going to accommodate for them. And they don't have a reason to. I mean, if they pay attention to history, they should know that it's not like it's going to spread like wildfire. <laughs> the country's not going to be taken over. Yeah, but I think, and then um, okay. So basically, I, I, I like how she kept the signs though. Like she didn't throw them out. She just had oh, them in her. Also, <laughs> yeah. 
One thing is, um, Kaplan and I talked about it earlier from watching it. I 100% because I've had my business taken away in China. I'm sorry. I had a that. business there. <laughs> I was, no, but I, what I'm saying is that I relate to her. Mm-hmm. I've been in those meetings where I've been screaming at Chinese government officials. And half the time you do end up getting what you want just by pushing it to the absolute limit and not you do sort of go nuts. Like I, I, I watch her in your film go crazy and I've been there. I've been that app. Cause when like you have no other option, when there's nothing else you can possibly like that, you know, the law is not protecting you. You're fighting against the government. They're doing something illegal, but there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. You have no other option, but just to like scream at them and call them like terrible names. And then ultimately like take sh- she gets her stuff back, but does she take it away or they give it back to they her? Give it back to her. Yeah. And she, we go back and she hangs them back up. And basically she has this hut, which is the, which exists in the remains of what once was the temple, the synagogue in Kaifeng. So she has one hut in it and inside she has a Israeli flag and a Chinese flag. And she's like really interesting. What I loved about Zhao was that she was really astute. So I interviewed the people at the Chabad, the Orthodox rabbi who basically... He is in control of so much of... Uh, back, back in Beijing now. Yeah, yeah. Beijing. Yeah. He's in charge really of a lot of Jewish life for foreigners. He's really the... And he is essentially the point of contact for the Western world for Jewish people. And he was contacted by the U.S. State Department saying, we've been hearing a bunch of problems that are going on in Kaifeng. Uh, we might want to put an investigation to see this religious persecution. And he told them not to do it. And because he doesn't consider her Jewish because of like Jewish law and because... I think racism also plays a right. role in this. Uh, he probably just wants to. Well, this to is the next part the I government. I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. is uh, so I see that you're that that back in Kaifeng when your your subject is speaking to her friend and her friend's like you know I can't give this back to you we can't say why but we know why it's because she's there's somebody above her who's not letting her do it right yeah and then or she's afraid that even if no one's told her not to it feels like she's afraid maybe something might happen to me if yeah. I do this and I feel like the guy in Beijing is the exact same he's he's not going to say on camera that she's a Jew if the Chinese government won't say that she's a Jew yes because that could threaten his his entire community in Beijing if someone sees hit your video. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. your documentary. This woman is kind of in the Chinese, ethnically Chinese Jewish community is kind of a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. So yeah. they can't provide them with resources and they're really desperate like to get, you know, resources uh, because if they do, the entire, everything that they've built to help Jewish people who go to China will be destroyed and lost. So yeah, that's the thing. And the reason why the film didn't get censored is because we saw his side. We had no idea. He, he doesn't know we saw her. He had no idea we met with her. Right. And um, he just, we got him to talk about it. And we thought we weren't going to get anything to talk about. We almost didn't do the interview with him because we we're like, what are we going to get out of this? But we ended up doing it. My, my co-director's like, we tried so hard to get this interview. We got to do it. Um, and so it ended up being really important because you show the two sides. And that's why we didn't get censored. But do you we show him? Do you, censored as what do you mean you in censored in China or yeah. censored? Or? Like they okay. allowed this film to screen in China. Oh, a screen in China. Okay. Because in China, he's the protagonist. In he's, America, he's a good he's guy. The, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He's a good guy defending the Chinese government, and she's the antagonist. But in America, people see it the He kind of comes across as an asshole. Yeah. If, yeah. He calls it a hoax. He says if you're not. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I used to be aware of the politics of it. If you're not aware of the politics, if you're not aware of the nuance of what he's doing, 
So I watch that being like, I don't think he believes what he's saying. I think he's just saying it because he has to, because it's on camera and he wants to protect the amount of the, 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 his community in Beijing. And if he do, if he was to say the opposite, if he'd be like, yeah, it's wrong what the Chinese government is doing. We want to protect her. He could be he would be gone. Yeah. Like if yeah. you're if your film did like well or even if just one person saw it in the government, he could be gone. Yeah. And right? I think that's hard for American audiences to understand. Yeah. Um, but also, I do think there's some roles in it that are deeper than that. So. And there's a thing in Jewish law called halacha, and that essentially is like kind of like is Jewish traditional law. And there's the idea of being uh, Jewish and purely Jewish and not being Jewish. And so in Jewish culture, your mother must be Jewish for you to be considered a Jew. These people are settled in China. And in China, they track things through their father, their patrilineal, unlike Jewish communities, which are matrilineal. And so... Her father was Jewish. Her mother, they actually gave her the name Ruth, which is, if you know about Jewish things, is yeah. one of the most famous converts in Jewish history. It's a very famous biblical figure. They named her Ruth. She has a Jewish name, but her father is really Jewish. And so she is not by traditional Orthodox Jewish law a Jew. So that also... But she could do a, I mean, conversion theory. So that's yeah. a, but they wouldn't allow it. because. So that's an easy move. It's an easy, easy yeah. out for the, the guy in Beijing. of the... You said there's five families. Yeah. So what do they say? Because some so of them Jews are, that were pure enough. A lot of right. them have actually come to Israel. Right. And it's actually if you watch the film like Zhao, she wants to go to Israel because then she can live freely herself. And like it's very like she it's she will do anything she can to go to Israel. And she doesn't think she'll ever be able to go to Israel. And she just hopes that her daughter will someday be able to. Um, Is there a synagogue? Someone I was in Israel. There's a museum in Tel Aviv that has like the museum of what's it called? The Jewish. It has. There's a. There's an exhibit where it has like synagogues from around the world from history. Mm -hmm. I know there was one from China. Yeah. I I see stuff about. So whenever I see like Jews around the world, because I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I have firsthand experience with this community. I always look to see what they're saying about the Kaifeng Jews and how they're included. And I think that widely we treat the Kaifeng Jews as if they are an extinct people. Right. As if their culture never exists. like, And that's not what's really going on. And I think race plays a huge factor. And this is very much reconsidered, um, or at least caused me to reconsider how I view myself and my privilege as like a white Jewish person. Because every time I do a screening of this, people ask me crazy questions. They ask me, did you test her blood to see right. if like she was a Jewish? DNA test or something. Yeah. And I ask him, like, has... Uh, if someone ever tested your blood well, to see if you're Jewish? But we all, white people love to test our blood as like a new thing. We, yeah, do, we, we do it for fun. <laughs> tests for fun. Yeah, doing it to prove if you can go to synagogue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, or I would have loved if I was Chinese on my test, but no. I know I would <laughs> I was, only do that if I, I was, found out I was like I was all I was all Ashkenazi. No, no <laughs> I know, excitement. Such a disappointment. What a waste of money. <laughs> like only I only want it if I find out like I'm a quarter like Caribbean yeah. or something. <laughs> Caribbean. Like, yeah, like only if I'm any like, island. Any they island. They give you a guarantee you get more your money back if you don't get yeah. something. Uh, if I'm from Tunisia, then whatever. it's worth my money. Sure. If I'm if I'm from like Poland, like a Polish Ashkenazi, yeah. that's so boring. I wanted they should for like guaranteed twenty five percent Native American or more. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like I want a, my crazy DNA. Test. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't want a normal one. Mine was like not only Ashkenazi, but it was all like the same area. Like it was not even know, it wasn't even branching out. It was like just Poland and this. <laughs> but anyway. so so what do you think about the racism? What do you, how does how do you see that? Besides, so the blood testing or what? Well, like the idea that 
And this is something that I think a lot of American Jews of color feel, that they have to prove they're Jewish over and over and over right. again, That's even it. if their mothers are Jewish, even if they're 100% Jewish, even if they're more active in Jewish life than, you know, Ashkenazi white Jews, though Ashkenazi is not synonymous with white. That's, That's like, the European, yeah, yeah, European yeah, yeah. descendants of Judaism. Okay. So this is something like at a pretty young age I came into contact with and I understood. But I do think there's, and so it's made me very much consider um, like, how lucky I am to never have to prove my Judaism, to never have a question, to never have to deal with that. And this is a increasingly difficult problem, I think, in America and Jewish communities, this idea that many Jews of color feel they have to prove themselves. I do think that there's a lot more, like American Jews have a lot of privileges. Um, someone like, like, and I also think that the relationship to Israel is very different than the relationship of Israel to global Jews. Because in America, like, we're relatively safe. Right. Like, we can get it, upset. You take for granted. It's yeah, like, like I can get upset about a tweet that's anti-Semitic by someone in our government. Or, like, you know, 11 people getting killed as major. Versus, like, I have friends who are from the Middle East who are Jewish and their entire families were executed. Yeah, like, like I have a friend whose Iraqi grandfather was beheaded. Yeah. My yeah. yeah, I have a friend who's Iraqi and his grandfather was beheaded. And like... Many of those people, you, Israel is their refugee. And the reason why there hasn't been a genocide like the Holocaust in so long is because they can escape to Israel. And I, I understood that from China. Yeah, and living in L.A., you must know Persian Jews. And I remember mm -hmm. I had a Persian Jewish friend who's, he's like, he slept, when they lived in Iran, he slept with like a gun as a kid under his pillow. Wow. Because <laughs> yeah. they were, you know, before they left. But, but it's, it's very interesting. So I write for Jewish publications and talk about, you know, intersectionality. And I write, you know, I talk about very controversial things because... I don't know. I hate myself. I want. To <laughs> <laughs> I want. I Do you mean you get like so you get hate tweets and stuff oh, like that? I, I'm. I'm amazed. I'm so proud of myself because not only have I been targeted by white supremacists and neo-Nazis who are circulating my picture for promoting white genocide, but um, Democrats- You're promoting it? No, I, I'm promoting white genocide <laughs> because I don't like racism, oh. but also democratic socialists- no, White see, genocide. Yeah. White genocide, genocide against white people. Don't you think- they, no. I haven't even heard that term, I don't think, before. This is what they think. This is what Nazis think about Jewish people. They believe that- <laughs> I've heard it's not good. It's <laughs> not good. It's very nuanced. They believe white people, Jewish people are important impersonating white people to advance people of color and to end and to destroy the white race. That is clever. We are pretty clever. So pretty I can't amazing. even keep up with all those like <laughs> I know it's very intricate. <laughs> yeah. So they think you're doing that. Yeah, they think I'm posing as white. What do they think of Kaifong Jews? <laughs> <laughs> They'll like lose their minds. They'll lose their minds. Um but and, like and then, then you're like also on the other I'm side. also targeted by like democratic socialists who are like extremely on the left. Because oh, Jews are white people. Yeah. Now. Like yeah. the idea is like you guys are really getting it from both sides. Yeah, it's really interesting because we are. Uh, <laughs> we're, the only, we're the only group that's attacked from like the Trump side. Always the, the most persecuted. Well, it's unique because yeah. they both sides see us as the oppressor. So like, yeah. white supremacists see Jews as the oppressor of the white race, but then far left people, democratic socialists, people like that, really some activists who are like really involved in um, people of color and intersectional. We know who you're talking about. I'm not going to say it because they're going to come for me again. Yeah. They'll never leave me alone. I don't think they um, listen. They don't listen. To us. Yeah, no, they'll talk me. They love me. Yeah. Um, oh, they know who they are. are. Great. Um, Shout but they out. see us as the oppressors of people of color. So, yeah. Like for white supremacists, Jews are the architects of racial progress. And for left wing anti-Semites, Jews are the architects of oppression and white supremacy. Mm. 
Yeah. So where do you, so where, architect. where do you write? <laughs> Why do the Kaifeng Jews want to what, this, by What's the way? your lane? I know. <laughs> Sounds like there's nothing left. I, yeah, I get a lot of harassment, but it's quite funny. That's I, great. I, How I, do we find you? Um, oh, I'm big on Twitter. Not I mean, really what's, Twitter. what's your... Well, I, I write for The Forward. I write for, um, I've written for Tablet, for a Jewish Telegraphic Agency. Hey, Amal, I write a bunch. So I'm Exciting. always... You, yeah, you wrote a piece recently about going your your synagogue in LA. Yeah, is like an LBGT friendly, or is it just like it's a, like the gay synagogue, the gay synagogue, which that, is great. I love it. Yeah, when I, I lived in LA and I I couldn't find a synagogue. So I was explaining this to Terry. He doesn't understand this that we have to pay for synagogues. And it's I, ridiculous. I, and I was young. I yeah, I didn't money. know that. <laughs> I ended up I ended up once at like a synagogue that they let me for free and they only spoke Farsi. Oh I ended up at another one that they had a free shot, uh, Friday night services and it was a drug rehab center that's also Jewish. Yeah, that's bring, why people like, go to Chabad because yeah. it's free. So I would have I would have definitely been there. <laughs> so can I ask, where did you screen the film in China? Um, I, sh I screened it at the um, Communication University of China in Beijing. And what was the reaction? Was it like with Chinese audience or, or yeah, expat mainly, audience? I've screened it in America and I've screened it in China. I've screened it for a lot of Jewish communities and had really interesting Q&As and that's why I'm so proud of this because I think this film has really evoked really interesting conversations, which is the best thing I think a film can do. But in China, they love it. They think it's really funny. Um, yeah. which what parts are funny? Parts than, <laughs> they definitely laugh at different parts than Americans do. Well, their understanding of Jews is different, like what yeah. it means, right? They well, don't... they find it hysterical that she says she's Jewish because that doesn't fit a Jewish stereotype. So they're like, right. she's like, I'm a Jew. And they're like, ha! They're like, she's wait, 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 wait. Can I, can, okay. <laughs> but also in China, this is a place where if you're... Um, like uh, it'll be me and a, uh, a black guy and we'll be having dinner with Chinese people. And they're like, okay, where are you guys from? We're like America. And the first question to the, the black guy is, okay, but you're from Africa, but you're from like, I'm white. So I'm from America. Yeah. There's racism. Like a lot so of racism in China. I yeah. would say it's pure ignorance. Yeah. No, when I came it's like to, the purest yes. form of ignorance where like, they just don't know. Oh yeah. And when they're I, told that black like people. The summer I was in China, this commercial went viral from China and where this hot, he's really a hot guy, this white, like this Chinese girl's talking to this really hot black guy. And then uh, she shoves uh, him in a dryer. We've into talked, a we've talked about this on the podcast. And like, <laughs> he turns white, right? and, yeah. And then he puts in the detergent and he comes out as a white man. They're like, look how good our detergent is. Yeah. 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 Clean now. Yeah. Um, yeah and that. that went viral. And that's that was the summer I was in China. Like, was like, wow. Can you yeah. imagine? And a lot of my friends were like African-Americans who had come to China and people like would think they're African and they have like very anti-African racism, but they like Americans. They see Americans as like positive. So it was interesting. Yeah. So then the idea, it's not a far leap to think that they might find it odd that a Chinese person could also be Jewish. Yeah. Like, especially because she was kind of like Southern. She had a, like their version of Southern had a really thick accent and like was kind of out there. And like she's, if you see her, she's riding around and it's like leopard print little motor scooter, like hanging out. Like she's really crazy, and I love her for it. Um, so eccentric, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like she's just, she's like basically someone's aunt, someone's nutso aunt. Yeah, and the, so the Chabad guy didn't know about her then. Like he didn't. No, he didn't yeah. know. Yeah, because it's interesting because he's talking like the he's saying that the lost tribe because you talk about the ten tribes of Israel. Which yeah. Is, but like they're, I mean, she they were legitimate. They were Jews because they came. Mm -hmm. They weren't even the lost tribes. They really came from Iran. You said so. Yeah. It's just uh, well. So he just doesn't want to. I guess the racism is interesting. I guess it's like because there is like a little. I don't know if racism's the word. Like, I think it's. I really think it's ignorance. Yeah, because we do love to like know. Well, I'm talking about from the like the rabbi's perspective. Oh. Yeah, like because we like Jews are obsessed with finding out like people. 
like are like there was that study last week that like they said like up to 60 million Spanish descendants are Jewish because of the Inquisition. We love finding like, we out love our that favorite stuff. celebrity is Jewish. We love that. We love baseball. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm obsessed with any athlete who could be a baseball player who's Jewish. I see. So it's surprising to me to see this guy denying it. It's like the opposite of how I think about everything. Like I but love this story. It's because he has to with yeah, the government. Yeah. He's yeah. in an odd position. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really very deeply complicated. But the thesis of the film is that I called it the Lost Tribe not because there's you know this biblical idea that there were many tribes of Israel and modern Jews are descendant from a few and that several of them were lost and we don't know what happened to them and they've recome, they've come right. up and a lot of people around the world are claiming to be members of the lost tribe. Ethiopian Jews, Ethiopia. I think, are members of the lost tribe. They, in Ethiopia, practice Judaism. Yeah. Um, and now they all left and went to Israel because it was unsafe for them to be Jewish, which goes back to the idea of like, um, refugees in Israel was, and things like that. Yeah, like the 80s, right? That yeah. Was, I remember that was... It's very, very interesting. But um, a big part of Jewish pe- people is about being lost. And the... Um, Dini... podcast works well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it really is because... Um, like, the Dini, who was the rabbi's wife, who runs the educational center, was saying, like, there are people in Judaism who have been lost to murder, to persecution, to assimilation, to like. Kaplan just gets lost on the subway sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I can't like, get lost. <laughs> it is culturally a enormous thing that like Judaism is a lost people. We are a wandering people. We're lost when we're looking for a homeland, and essentially that loss is a big part. And that the lost tribe isn't necessarily those Kaifeng Jews. I think it's we're a lost tribe right. because we're in a situation where people like her can't find freedom. We're in a situation where we're dealing with assimilation and the idea is can a lost tribe be found? Because I found, you know, people I thought were extinct and they're yeah. not lost. But she says at the end, she's like, she admits something. She's like, I, I know the people in Chabad don't think we're Jewish. I know that they don't. And that's okay. They say we're too assimilated. They say that we're not in touch with our culture. And she says, that's fine. Say it. But we're, we want to be Jewish again. We want to learn. Right. I mean, and she speaks Hebrew or she reads Hebrew. Yeah, she practices I, Hebrew I, every night. And I, she's like, "I, we can be Jewish again. And you can't tell us no. And I think that's a very powerful thing about like loss and being lost. Because there's a choice. We can choose to have something be lost and find it. Or we can choose to have it be a loss. This and the, that's kind of the conf, the conflict of the whole film. Oh, that could be a lesson for us. For Boom. This that's a lesson for the day. And for a sequel, she should show up at the Chabad house. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, we, that's <laughs> our documentary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. We take her there. Oh, man. That would be insane. Like all, all these like Orthodox people running around. No. Oh, my God. But if that guy would have said the wrong thing in your video, it could all be over. I know. Isn't that nuts? Did you yeah. know that what? going in? Because yes. that would make me, because I used to run a comedy club in China and we self-censored in the sense that we just told everyone you can't talk about the Chinese government because we were building this community. It got up to like a hundred comedians. And if one person says the wrong thing on stage, no one can go on stage again. Mm-hmm. And so you're jeopardizing like an entire community. So I've been in a similar situation to that guy, I think. And uh, I don't know. I would have mixed feelings about even like almost like if the guy did say the wrong thing, if you put it out or not or what, did you, did you understand the weight of the questions? Yes. Yeah. I really made it for an American audience. Yeah. Cause I thought, why would anyone from Chinese care? Like this is extremely exotic to me to see, like you go yeah. to the graveyard and you see that there's a giant like Chinese graveyard with a Jewish star on it. Like that's insane to sure. me. Um, but it's also, it's amazing. It's been really well received in China. And because I guess the years in like, just as we have interest in China, they have interest in Judaism. 
And so it's actually been, I think, even more successful in China than America. And like it was nominated for a Chinese Academy Award. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And this that is was now our second Academy Award. <laughs> You're right. Nominated. <laughs> but um, Chinese Academy Award is definitely not as high quality. Uh, the award show is probably better. To Were watch. those like the probably rooster, the golden roosters? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a documentary film Academy Award. So it was, it's very interesting. So they love it because of what he said. They, it, it makes it interesting. And so she's this reckless bad person. He's the offender of Chinese morality. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But when my mother saw the first film, she's like, I want to punch him. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like halfway through. But then the very end, I, but towards the end, I got it. I'm like, oh, wait, I get what he's... I but get. he's like wise and they respect him in China. Yeah. They think she's a nut. And my friend who... I, one of my friends when I was cutting at a time, a close friend of mine, she's really, really talented filmmaker. Um, she's ethnically Chinese. Um, she immigrated to America when she was 15 years old. So she's like, I hate her. She's a bitch. Like, was like, she sounds like a barking dog. I hate her. She's a bitch. She's so rude. I can't stand her. Oh, I disagree so, so much. I love her. I love yeah. her spunk. But, but my friend, who's like now a Chinese American, she was like, I hate her. But they like him because he's respectful. And my co-director was like, I see both ways. She's she, like, I'm more, I guess, politicized about it. Whenever I do a Q&A, I never tell people how I feel because I like to see them. Yeah. I like to hear what the audience thinks. I, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. I won't tell you. For you guys, I'll tell you. Because, but, uh. It is really interesting how um, cultural and like I think gender roles also and like the way we perceive people is different in our culture and who can be a protagonist and antagonist just right. where you are. Yeah, true. And, and did she have like, did she see the film? What does she think? Or she? I don't know. I think my my co-director sent it to her. I don't know what she thinks. Yeah. I know that she wants people to help her come to Israel. She wants to learn about Jewish culture and have a Jewish education. That's all she wants. And she like, if... People are inspired and they want to fund her to have a Jewish education. That's really her only goal is to learn more about her own culture. Wow. And I have, we have listeners in Israel. So if any of them are single and want to marry her, maybe. Fund her. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get her to There you fast. go. <laughs> How can people find... Because my brother's already an Israeli citizen. He married an Israeli. Made Aliyah. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> but like she wants her daughter to and her granddaughter to have a Jewish identity. That's like her only mission, really. Which is... It really changed my idea. Yeah. That's, it, it came we take it very, for granted. Yeah, it, it it was very instrumental in making me really more involved as a Jewish writer and involved in Jewish culture because it made me understand how blessed I am to be able to live as who I am. Right. And how can people find the film? Because I feel like now we definitely want people to watch the film and then listen to this podcast. Well, they can reach out to me. Okay. Uh, uh, my email is arielsobelfilm at gmail.com. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> I get hate mail from Nazis, so you yeah. won't scare me. Yeah. Um, a, a Academy Award winner, a Golden Rooster nominated filmmaker no, it's, <laughs> it's i'm no one um but uh and i we can set up screenings and like uh i'm happy to do screenings and q a's um gone to a lot of synagogues a lot of community centers it's really interesting it's a very interesting communal conversation about what is a jew and who gets to be a jew and it's taught me a lot um so yeah if anyone wants to see it i'm happy to set up a screening with them cool so, all right well thank you for doing the podcast yeah, yeah. it's fun to talk about it and how do people find you on twitter it's um is that your search main my name ariel sobel um, or talk to any white nationalists you know. Yeah, <laughs> ask them for a... circulating my face everywhere. I'm like the pinned tweet of this white nationalist with like eight thousand. Do you have followers. a different email address for them? Oh my gosh, it's for a, them, it's the same one. <laughs> Man, <laughs> send. We don't. Real, see, cap, we're not. Sh we no. joke about our hate mail that we receive. Now I, we, I think we can put yeah. it in perspective. You, you, guys need see, you guys get hate mail from like, who? It's um, yeah, every it's once minor, in a while. From who? 
Ah, so, so we'll tell you what. Fans, off air. fans. <laughs> he feels, I, I kind of rejoice in it. We love it. We don't get enough of it. So sometimes we take actual like, fan mail and we call it hate mail. Yeah. And then we reply Aww. back to them negatively. Well, I once, I got a message like yesterday, like someone was upset. I was like, I followed you and you liked a tweet I found insulting to me. It's like, I didn't even respond. I was like, oh, oh my Lord. Grow up. Grow up. Jeez. Like, like I'm like a 23 year old girl and this guy in his 50s is like, you like to tweet. I just liked it's a mess. This, this world is really. Me. It's over. Everything's over. By yeah. right. I'm like, Culture, society, the okay, world. Unfollow me. It's like liking a tweet is on your most basic level, like <laughs> on a brain thing where you're just like, oh, it's like a momentary reaction. It's not something you put, you know, shouldn't put yeah. so much thought into it. Like this could offend somebody. Yeah. Well, also, you could like something. You could like a it, tweet just because you want, you like, oh, that's interesting. Right. It's it doesn't interesting mean you thing. agree with it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I no, I think the tweet was like, basically, <laughs> the tweet was kind of mean. It was like, this guy was trying to correct me and explain something that I had just explained. And this one of my other followers was like, Ariel Sobel gets attacked by Nazis all the time. And she's fighting for justice for all people. I don't give a fuck about you and your 80 followers. And I laughed and I liked the <laughs> That's tweet. That's fine. Like, basically, yeah, it wasn't a nice tweet, but I, I didn't appreciate it. Oh I'm like, wow, I feel seen. Yeah. I really, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. <laughs> that's how you know God, you've we, made it on Twitter. If people will we need to bully really back up. your bullies on behalf of you, you don't even have to do it. Who would bully uh, back our bullies? We don't. I, we, we don't have we, enough bullies. We, we need you guys more have bullies. each other. Yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah exactly. We need to hire some. 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 <laughs> we need to hire people to bully us. Yeah, just hire to some see bullies. Who will bully back our bullies? Does the mob do that now? Is that the new <laughs> yeah, work for the mob? Sure. <laughs> yeah, anyway, all right, Ariel. Thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Great, Kaplan. Let's get to the notes. Play the music. Kaplan, first news story of the week comes to us from Skill Programming. Is that a company? <laughs> Where are you? We're digging deep here, folks. <laughs> I, you found this Skill one. I didn't find it. All right. I'm digging deep. Tech companies in China are hiring programming cheerleading, cheerleader girls that cheer up the programmers as they work. That's genius. Good idea. We need that here. Where is our cheerleader? Everyone Ikram, needs it. You want us to promote the app? Get, a, get some cheerleaders for it. I don't see why, if athletes can have it, it's at basketball games, football games, whatever. Why can't at uh, Japanese baseball games? Why can't they have it at even more, I, some would say more important jobs? Programmer, this is leading the future. I think we should have it for astronauts. Yeah. Well, especially jobs where there's like a dorky, dorky, dorky York clientele. Programmers. Exactly. Nerds <laughs> need it because you know none of them have, uh, they're not dating. Yeah. And you don't want them dating because that's. You just, don't like, want nerds. One date will ruin their entire, like, once they <laughs> let that into the brain, it, their brains have been so smart because they haven't been dealing with this nonsense. Exactly. The aggravation. So that's, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, it should be like a, not like a bachelor party, I would say, but cheerleaders. It's like. Just a, cheerleaders. Just cheerleaders. Yeah. Just this fun. Can. Can I do some flips? Maybe a little halftime entertainment would be good to add. Keep them We're going. Like, on your lunch break, we get we hire like a, a little show. Can I say oh. this, Kaplan? I got something to say here. Um, you know how they said when we were kids that nerds are going to rule the world? Who said that? Just yeah, everyone. Like, oh, you better learn computers because if you learn that computers, nerds are going to rule the world. Yeah. But they never said that the implied message in that is that and it's going to be good. It's going to be better than these jocks in the 80s ruling the world. 
But what they didn't tell us is that these nerds who did end up ruling the world, it became they Facebook people, and then they sold all of our information to the Russians. <laughs> these nerds are assholes. They ruled the world, though. We should have. You got. Yeah. They were right on that part. But that they were complete pricks is the part that they didn't tell us was going to happen. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you can trust them just because they got the fact that they got bullied in high school means you probably can't trust them because they're trying to get back of everybody. So should we not get them cheerleaders? I don't know. You don't trust them? <laughs> no, I'm good with the cheerleaders. There's <laughs> a great picture there. Of the, right? It is a great picture, which our audience cannot see. <laughs> Next story of the week comes from some CNN. Okay, we're back to the mainstream media. Back, yeah, let's... let's. Oregon man survives off of taco sauce while trapped inside his vehicle in the snow with his dog for five days, says CNN. Was it the, I hope it was the hot sauce, because that mild sauce at Taco Bell is just not good. So here's the interesting part, because I did the same thing you did. And nowhere in this story does it say it's from Taco Bell, but we both assumed it was Taco Bell taco sauce. Did it say packets? Yeah, there were packets, but there's packets. It could be Del Taco. I mean, or here, that brings up the question, does, does Taco Bell have the, um, is that a monopoly that Elizabeth Warren needs to break up? Do they have the monopoly on, on taco sauce packets? No, because Del Taco has them. I can tell you, because I was in Yeah, a- but neither one of us, neither you or I assume they were Del Taco oh, packets. So you're saying in that way. Well, Taco Bell is like, I mean, this, we were walking today, we had a, a little meeting down the street before this, we and we, we walked by a Taco Bell cantina. Ooh. They call them in New York City to try to get, uh, Can't t- are get you serious? people not to spit on them, but- so Taco Bell is taking over the world. They're even in Manhattan. They're in China too. They're in Shanghai. What um if you had to survive for like it was five days, you said? Yeah. How, what I mean, what sauce so- and you had to be a sauce. What would the sauce be? Any sauce. I mean, obviously Not- ketchup. You would drink ketchup for five days? Yeah, ketchup's great. <laughs> what would you take? Uh, I mean, maybe like cocktail sauce? No, salsa. I'd be salsa. Good salsa. Okay, that, I didn't know salsa counted yeah, as a, a sauce. Pa- you're right, it can't be in a packet. Because then it has, that is other, uh, that has like, like vegetables yeah, in right. it. right, it's got to be in a packet, something that could be in packet form. It's got to be just sugar, Ter- teriyaki colored. sauce, maybe. Uh, I would not do any. sour? You would yeah, dehydrate. Duck sauce. duck sauce. You dehydrate. There's sugar, too much, I mean, there's too much salt in that. Yeah, but you don't need as much. Oh, yeah, I can't do, uh, this is you, for me. You'd have 10 heart attacks. Oh, I can't have any salt. I can't live. This is discrimination. I will say this. The only country, America's the only country where you could survive off of, off of, um, Taco packets because other countries, anytime you ever been to like a McDonald's in a foreign country, they I, give you one packet. I have not because I'm an type of American who doesn't eat at McDonald's in a foreign country. You never lived in a foreign country. That's <laughs> what you're saying. You haven't been there long enough. Yeah. You go for a week, you can yeah. eat whatever you want. Yeah, you yeah, sit yeah. there for 12 they only years. They give you one, right? Yeah. At some point, you got you to eat McDonald's. But they, they, they give you one packet. In America, it's just you get Carl's Jr., Taco yeah. Bell. They're, they're piling right. them on. And those packets have so little in them. It's ridiculous. They, just, they have Taco Bell. They don't have that in China, do they? They do. I just said that. Oh, oh I thought you said McDonald's. No, they, they, uh, Taco Bell opened in Shanghai maybe. like They had it when I first got there, and then it went away, and then they brought it back like a year and a half ago maybe. And they have not only do they have Taco Bell, at the Taco Bell they have like a whole margaritas, beer. It's oh, full God. of wet bar. It's like uh, the Royale with cheese. They got alcohol. <laughs> It's great. Did that Carl's Jr. open in, in New York, by the way? Remember it was supposed to, like a year oh ago? God, you're right. Did AOC squash that, too? <laughs> <laughs> First Amazon, and now Carl's Jr., Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We're going to find out, because they, they they're they pro-ice, Carl's Jr. That is a little-known fact. We they're pro-what? They're pro-ice. We know that. You mean they're uh, anti-illegal immigration? Actually, no, there's actually not a fast food co- place in America that's anti-illegal immigration. You mean ICE, like actual? That's no, another that's, thing. No, that was the argument country, for being against Amazon that was ridiculous. Foreign thing. country McDonald's, they don't give you enough ice. <laughs> they give you, it's just soda, no ice. Oh, my God. I, I don't know how you lived out that way from America. It was a hardship. Do they have Mexican pizzas at least? 
I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I haven't been double, yet. You have a double decker. Oh, I haven't yeah, been yet. Oh, you're going. It, you're gonna go next month. I'm going next month back to China uh, after April 10th, which is our live podcast. People, get your tickets now. Standupny.com, LostInAmericaPod.com. Last story of the week, Kaplan. This comes to us from every single news source in the world. Aunt Becky, aka Lori Laughlin, paid five hundred thousand dollars for her kids to get into uh, USC, University of Southern California, <laughs> University of Spoiled Children, as we called it growing up in California. Oh yeah, five hundred thousand dollars. Our, our, our guest went to USC. Good thing she did. She, she, she didn't say fighting, that. She'd be fighting over that. But uh, you, you were UCLA man. <laughs> no, I went to University of Miami. I don't know. I went to the USC of the East Coast. <laughs> you did. Yeah, Miami is like you. And I went to Syracuse. I went to the USC of the, of the Northeast. Northeast. You're yeah, right. So, would my do you think my parents paid? Do your parents pay to get? I mean, you get in? They uh, would no, you, they what didn't. What would your parents have paid besides tuition? Nothing, right? What would my parents have paid? Yeah, I don't know. What would you pay for Ruby and Teddy? To go to USC? Say they're just real dummies. They're not. <laughs> they're geniuses. Your kids are geniuses. But pretend they're real dummies and you had a lot of money. You'd well, been on, if, if, now, you'd been on uh, Current Day Full House. You've been on the Big Bang Olivia, Theory. Olivia, I think, is a, one of the daughter's names. I saw she's a huge YouTube star, channel star. Yeah. So now this is like Ruby's like idol, this kind of person. Oh, yeah. So this could be the career path we're going to. Like when, I'm, when Ruby's playing with her toys, she'll be like, I'm doing my channel. Yes. I'll say, what are you doing? She's like, I'm doing my working on my channel. She, she thinks, needs a channel. She, well, yes. In her mind, she's doing the shows that she. She watches. says that now. Yes, she says, yeah. Sometimes she'll say, "Record me," and then it's like for the channel. She. Oh does. my lord! So she's really? On this path. Okay. Now, if I thought it would be good for the channel that she's in the right college, because you're going to make that money back. You spend money to make money. That's yes, what I agree. USC was for her brand. Like if she went to some community college or like state school, like or even like you don't want to go to Harvard if you're someone no, like that. Her. You're, she's cool. She's you like want to go to USC, right? So I understand that it's probably tax deductible too. Really, it's like sure. <laughs> so in her case, it's a unique. We'll check case. with Gary Sparks. Yeah, and then for, let's be honest. You know what? Like you're a criminal. Some people get re- guilty conscious and they want to like donate the money to charity because yeah. they don't like how they came into money. Yes, yes. If you yes. worked on that piece of crap, horrible TV show for so many years. How dare you? Full House. How <laughs> such dare a piece you? Of shit, that show. And if you made all that money off the works of those twins that were like paid in like, they were like fed grapes every day to get them sure. to like smile at the right moment. Yeah. I, I, someone told me that once, uh, insider knowledge. I'll yeah. buy it. <laughs> you have to, maybe you feel guilty and you think, you know what? I'm going to give money back to... A coach who's struggling, <laughs> a poor But that brings coach up the point that I coach. have and that everyone else has. Why not, if you have 500 grand sitting around, do it the old-fashioned way. Donate it to the school. Your kids will get right. in. That is really more legitimate. Scot-free. And you get a building after you or something, a placard. And it's clear. It's free and clear. You probably can actually tax deduct right. that. I mean, by the, time, donation. by the time the, my, my kids are in college... You know, this podcast will be so big. We yes, will be so big, so big that, you know, I anticipate that they'll just ask me to speak, do a speak guest lecture in podcasting major or something. And, so there's you know, comedians that I can't name on air who do that. Yeah. Their kids to get their kids into like private high schools. Yeah, they just, they're like, oh, I'll do a, um, I'll do a show once a year or, yeah. tw- or whatever, you know, for all the, the fundraiser show. And but I think everyone does this. this oh, yeah. is, you my dad, the principal of my in my elementary school, private school, the, the, the principal Rabbi Cohen used to go to my dad for some footwork. Guess what? You know, Gary everyone... <laughs> Gary Sparks, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> did the taxes? Did the taxes for Jesuit High School? He was he did the books uh, and scratching backs. He ended up becoming the um, financial chair and then the president. Gary Sparks of yeah, the high school. And uh, look, we the, the, we're, we're, our kids, are, my kids are in public school now. You know, if we get to this the is America, it's a free country. If I want to get them into Dalton or Spence, I mean, I don't know. 
you know, Randy's gonna have to sleep with someone. I don't know what we're gonna have to what? do. I don't what? know if we have to bribe someone. I don't know how it's Dalton York... and Spence. These are like high schools in New York City. Like, okay. I don't know what we have to do. How much money I have to strap down. Yeah, if you how want many... to, if you want him to go to PS thirty nine, it's probably free. But if you want him to go to a good <laughs> it's free, school, it's a public school. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you that I should take a poll actually of the moms of Lorraine City or the the crazy parents groups, because they would probably be willing to pay in true like I you know, to get their kids just into like a preschool. They would be willing to bribe people. Like, this isn't surprising at all. Parents are crazy now. Exactly. So, you know. Especially if you have the, and her husband, she's the most 90s person of all time. She was on Full House, and her husband, you know who he is? Uh, wait, for a fresh memory, I heard it in the story. Massimo from the t-shirt company Massimo in oh, the 90s. that's a real t- guy? <laughs> yeah. His first name's Massimo. His right. name's like Massimo Gilla Bralani. Well, the other one involved was Fussy Huffman, who's married to... Uh, William H. Macy. That's that's the most disappointing thing. I hate when I see talented people. Yeah, Bill Macy. Yeah, and so, you know, and she had a parenting blog that she had to take down. That was my favorite. Why didn't their kids at least go to, like, Fargo State or something (laughs) for free? You could have got in. I don't know. It's a damn shame. Poor kid. So if anyway, want to come on the pod? That's a good, that's a good guess. The conclusion (laughs) is we're on their side. We just think they should have done it in a smarter way. Pay for your kids to go to school. That's fine. should have slept with the dean. You're right. Okay. (laughs) That's the podcast. Yes, that is the podcast. Thank you to Ariel. Is it two with the Long Island? Hit the Long Island. Ariel. Ah, ah. I get to bring. Yeah, Teddy's got a New York accent. He would probably be close. Not Long Island, but you know. Thank you to Ariel Sobel. Yes, I think it's Sobel. Yes, Sobel. 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 For doing the podcast, check her out online, everybody. Check out the movie. Email her. Email her to get to get a a screener of the movie. That's it. Cap, what should we do? Get on Ants before it's too late. Get on Ants, and we will see you next Wednesday and every Wednesday from after this. We're back on regular schedule. We're back, baby. Let's get lost. Get lost. So that every mouth can be fed Israelite And my wife and my kids They pack up on a leave me The least she said I'm yours to receive Me poor, me poor, me poor Israelite I don't want to end up like Bonnie and Clyde Me poor, me poor, me Israelite And after a storm there must be a calm It's just me in the front